What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Brutally Speaking Podcast, the official podcast of MetalNexus.net. I am one of your hosts, Daniel Terry, and with me, as always, is Mr. Jonathan Beatty. How are you doing this evening? I am hung the fuck over. Uh, I went a little too hard hanging with the crowbot and he is legend and the damn things guys uh, last night here in town. Um, but it actually, I think was it was a lot of fun. Uh, I spent a lot of time talking with Joe from Fallout Boy uh, slash the damn things, and uh, we might actually have him being a guest on here soon. Well, that sounds like fun. Yeah, it was a, uh, it was a. Uh... It was a night of drinking. <laughs> I realized, like, I realized why I think I was so hungover, and it was because I had drank, I had shots of Jaeger, or Ye- I did Jaeger bombs, uh, I had tequila, I had whiskey, I had, I don't think I did vodka, because that's not really a drink I do, and then just, you know, a shitload of PBRs. Yeah, all I know is that I was on my way to work this morning, and I sent you a text, and I was all like, I had something about the podcast or whatever, and you were like... Yeah, I, I I think I'm still drunk. <laughs> to be and fair, I think sure. that was only that might have been four hours after I left the bar. <laughs> yeah, and had taken basically a four hour nap. <laughs> yeah, I had uh, I had slept a full night and uh, was was going out to kill it at work bright and early. So uh, yeah, that's just kind of indicative of of the differences in lifestyle at times. I think it determines your death style. <laughs> that's yeah right oh my god that's that's a deep cut i have a shitty snare tone just to match match how i felt all day bang 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 oh god that's on my head my my headache felt like Lars's snare tone well speaking of not bad snare tones uh i did an interview with a band that i actually just discovered that a lot of you probably will just discover through this podcast and uh they are called the wolves are closing in they're a band that I kind of, uh, they just kind of fell into my lap as far as uh, I was just searching on my Google Music app and they had a brand new release. And I listened to it and really, really, really enjoyed it. Reached out to the band, was like, hey, let's do an interview. They were like, okay. So <laughs> we uh, we got together and, and, and did a quick little chat. And I, I kind of like doing interviews like these because it's a band nobody's heard of. So I get to ask like, a lot of really generic questions because no one has yet. Right. You know, you, you kind of get to get into that headspace and find out, you know, um, what exactly their inspiration was, what they're going for, what their future plans are. We cover a lot of that stuff in the interview, but, uh, what I, what I enjoy about doing this kind of stuff is just getting the ability to kind of maybe be part of something that I think is probably going to get much bigger soon. So that was kind of my interest in these guys that, uh, you know, I, I have a feeling that a lot of people are going to start hearing their name here pretty soon. I think the thing that was surprising to me, because leading up to this, you know, you were asking me uh, if I could make this work. And I was like, unfortunately not. You know, I'm going to be at a show. And I, there was plans to actually get some interviews done that, uh, earlier that day. Um, it was interesting in, in listening back to this, just kind of remembering the initial conversation we were having about, you know, are you free this at this time on this day and, you know, check out this band. And then, you know, you being like, I just found out, like, I remember you sending me the, the message, like, I just found out that they haven't even played a show yet. <laughs> and like how, like how shocked you were. And I think, you know, that it's something we've kind of talked about and actually uh, sort of permeated into uh, the conversation I did yesterday with uh, Andrew from Serpents again uh, when he was here in town. And we were talking about, you know, 
with Andrew being from Oceano and starting a new band that basically is an independent unsigned band, you know, we were talking about the things that you kind of have to do. Like, you know, he doesn't skimp out on, on, you know, merch designs or things of that nature. And, you know, kind of talking about how maybe you're not able to do something currently, but that doesn't mean you take the, the shortcut just to get some success and to be able to do the thing. And I really kind of realized that there are a lot of parallels between what I was talking to with Andrew about that and your interview with these guys, because it was just a thing of like, everyone's kind of at that same point right now where it's like, how do we traverse being a band in the digital age like do we focus on playing a shitload and you know you kind of had made the comment and i thought it was pretty you know hadn't really thought about it in the fact that you were saying you know nowadays a local band doesn't even have to be local to the area they can just go somewhere else and play as long as like you know they can kind of grind and get going and i hadn't really thought about that because typically i think you and i are of the age that we remember you got to start locally then you build out then you build out then you build out and maybe you're within a three-hour radius of your hometown and that's kind of your your area for a while and so to think of the fact that it's like, here's a band that, you know, kind of did it the opposite way where it's like, hey, we want to have a really great sounding record and we want to have all these things in place before we start playing. I almost think that's a better starting point than just being, here's a band, we have no music, we have nothing, we're playing just to get out there. And it almost seems like a detriment kind of because it's like, oh, you're a great band. Do you have anything? No. <laughs> well, yeah. And I think the interesting thing about this band was that they kind of had a plan in place beforehand you know whenever, whenever we got done doing the interview i was talking to my wife about it and she always asked me how the interviews are going and stuff like that and I, you know i was like it's kind of genius that you know you start off with a really good sounding record like that's that's number one i mean how many how many bands first releases really sound very good like a lot of the time it's like well we recorded it on a four track recorder or we we are still trying to figure out how to use garage band right or, or, or whatever it is and so you start off with a record that people can buy immediately if they go to a show they can you know they can hear your band play they can hit you up on your socials and they can immediately be connected to your band camp or, or whatever it is to buy your stuff or they could just stream uh, your stuff right off of their app so like you've already got that in place and then to have a video on top of it it's one of those things that i feel like this gives them the opportunity to enter the show scene with something to offer already versus a lot of bands that are just like oh i gotta get our first show going and they only have like four songs for their set list it's like four songs and two covers i think that's the rule yeah something like that <laughs> So I thought it was I thought it was kind of cool that they had all this original content and they had been working on it for like two years before they actually kind of launched everything. Um, and so it's it's interesting and I, it's going to be cool to see how it all pans out. Do you feel like that's actually something differently, though, that might kind of bite them in the ass, like where they have so much stuff ready to go? But unfortunately, see, I, I, I just don't know. Like, I feel like. Obviously, the proficiency is there. They've learned how to play these songs. But my my worry would be, it's almost the exact same thing. Like when you when you are a local band and you work on those first four or five songs and they're so well rehearsed. And this is something you guys have talked about on discography discussion quite a bit, which is you know these songs are so tired and true, and they they the band knows they work because they've played them so so many times. They know them inside and out, and there's that's why they are as great as they sound even if the production and all that isn't necessarily the greatest however a lot of times you see a thing where by the time you know you see a band you know it's that thing i always say where it's like i go see a band they sound great i go buy their record i'm so pumped to hear these songs that i fell in love with seeing them for the first time 
And then what happens? It's none of those songs I heard because you know what? Man, we've been playing those songs for four years now or we've had those for two years. Like we're over it. We want to start writing the new stuff. And I just wonder if maybe like if it's taken them that long to write all this material and get everything and get all the ducks in a, in a row, it potentially the same thing is going to be happening where they're already looking at writing the new stuff and have another follow-up and, and that that maybe you know, might have the same effect where it's like, okay, here the songs are playing. Oh, is that on that EP? Hell no, it ain't on that. We haven't recorded any of that yet. And you're like, well, fuck, I don't kind of already over the thing that you've had now for two years, even though it's new to everybody because it's, it's the first thing you've put out, but I don't know. It just kind of makes me wonder if there is a downside to it uh, on that level too. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, I hadn't really thought about it in those terms. I think there's something to be said about putting your best foot forward and and just kind of hitting it at a professional level and i think that you know they could, they're in a position now really cuz it's like they've got a release they could like buy onto a tour if they wanted to you know what i mean it's like that sort of stuff you know uh, is is all a viable option and i think that it's almost i feel like in this day and age it's almost time wasted building a local fan base in your hometown if your hometown sucks because like that's something that i dealt with for years trying to play in local bands here in st louis you we just we weren't a hardcore town we were not a metal a metal town or a metalcore town or any of that stuff so what was the point in trying to establish a local fan base there i mean like sure we had some fans but it was like pulling teeth in order to get people to come to the shows Whereas in a case like this, you know, we had, we were doing all that with nothing to offer. Whereas, you know, with, with the Wolves are closing in, you have a band that can immediately play a full set list of original material and can do it like, because if you listen to the way the album sounds, yeah, it's pretty obvious that they know all these songs inside out to the point of maybe exhaustion. So I think in that regard... I think that these guys could just skip a lot of those annoying steps. Yeah, I don't know. It, uh, it'll be interesting. Speaking of interesting, though, I do kind of want to mention, uh, you know, kind of speaking of nostalgia and, and a lot of stuff we've kind of been hitting on, um, I want to give a shout-out to uh, everybody for picking up the Acacia Strain episode. Holy shit. <laughs> yeah, man, that thing blew up like an atomic bomb. Boy, and, did uh, it. The comments were pretty brutal, but at the same time, like, this is the, one of the very first times I've seen, because like normally, you know, like let's let's say we have Phil Abonte on and he says something about whatever, you know, you go online and a whole bunch of keyboard warriors are like, oh, whatever, his band, you know, should be heavier than they are, whatever it is, you know. Um, this one was interesting in that you still had that, like you still had the keyboard warriors or whatever, but you. It, like every two or three comments, there'd be somebody being like, yeah, but you know, it's like totally right. Right. Like, despite what the, despite how you may feel about that band, despite how you may feel about that vocalist, what he said is, is balls on accurate. Yeah. I thought it was funny that a lot of the news uh, sites like the PRP and metal sucks and metal injection and so forth. Uh, a lot of them even were like, Oh, uh, I think it was metal injection that made the comment. They're like, Ed, we can't really disagree with anything he's saying. I couldn't. And and I, I kind of, whenever I was listening to that interview, I kind of had a chip on my shoulder anyway, because uh, I was complaining on the episode about how, oh, they're just such a negative band, the dude never has anything positive to say, and I was like, but in this regard, I completely agree, and it's something that I've talked about on my own show tons of times, you know, just this idea that, like, just because it's old doesn't make it good, and just because it's new doesn't make it bad. Right. 
Yeah, I don't know. I thought it was pretty interesting. Um, looks like Vincent was dealing with uh, with some traveling issues for his vacation to, I think, Portugal. Um, so I didn't really see much other than him just bitching at Air Air America or something like that. Um, but Tom, Tom's been a, a good sport about it. He, uh, he, you know, had had kind of fun with it. Actually, I think mostly the Acacia Strain dudes. Uh, I think it was Devin, their other guitar player. It was like, you know, everyone's all up in arms over Tom and Vincent saying that. Uh, that new metal sucks or whatever. Meanwhile, I'm over here and I like Creed. So who's the real, who's the real villain? <laughs> right. Yeah. There's, there's always a bigger fish. There's always a bigger evil. I did think that was pretty brash though. The whole new metal sucks. They like, like considering how, you know, pretty recently people are really starting to embrace new metal again. Well, I mean, only three people, three groups ever did that. Right. Well, yeah, ever. Yeah, right. It's so weird. I, I had this idea, John. I want to run it past you, okay? I was, so I was thinking, like, okay, rock, right? Like, hard rock. We all love rock, right? But I think I'm going to add a little bit of, like, hip-hop to it. Okay. Like, is your mind blown as much as my mind is blown just thinking about that concept? I can't think of anybody that's ever done that. I mean, you know, I am a fan of Junko jeans and, uh, you know, being growing up in a... A very suburban area, but wanting to get on my urban uh, friends to to join in on what I'm doing. Oh man, I don't know how much I can keep that up, but uh, I'm gonna, I think I'm going to steer off of that ship and uh, get into my interview with the wolves are closing in. Hope you guys enjoy it. We'll talk to you guys in a minute. <laughs> I have the pleasure this evening of speaking with three band members of The Wolves Are Closing In. How are you guys doing this evening? Pretty good. Pretty good. Can't complain. No point in it. Everybody usually just ignores you if you do, right? (laughs) Yeah. Or they roll their eyes. So you guys are a relatively new band. Give me a little bit of history, I guess, on uh, on how you guys got started and what what the goal was. Uh, So... I guess that really started with me and Cameron, wouldn't, wouldn't you say? Yeah, um, me and Hunter were in a band called Lethal Lava Land before, and uh, I ended up quitting that project and joined the Navy. But over the, the course of my tour, me and Hunter kept in contact and showed each other really some stuff that we were working on while I was gone. And then when I got back, yeah, yeah. we kind of got together and uh, started recording things, and then Jeremy was in another band that we kind of stole from. No, uh, I got kicked. It didn't of, work kind out, of, kind of, but uh, he came in and just killed it. Yeah, just the ideas, you know, that like Cameron and I, when we were doing our, our old band, you know, I know he always wanted to do something heavier, and I always kind of, you know, wanted to try to do some heavier stuff. Though it just was, you know, with who we had at the band at the time, just you know, wasn't gonna work out. You know, so then you know, after a while, I just we just kind of sit, you know, both of us were just kind of saving up our own like little heavy songs, and then I just kind of reached out to Cameron when he he moved back, and it's like, hey, you want to be able to start put all these songs together and start, you know, doing some heavy stuff? This all kind of fell apart, all fell together after that. I guess that can be the hard part, right? Is like when you're telling somebody, hey, I want to do some heavy stuff, actually being able to define what you mean by heavy. Um, <laughs> Oh yeah, right. <laughs> I think I think all of our definitions of heavy are different. Oh, there they are. They're different. <laughs> yeah, that can be rough because like I've I've definitely formed bands before and been like, yeah, I want to start a really aggressive band and like 
dude shows up playing slap bass with a corn shirt on and you're like oh yeah i meant like like that's heavy but it's not what i was thinking about (laughs) (laughs) oh yeah like cameron and i it's taken us like 10 years just to get like you know to understand what each other means you know when we're talking about like shredding or you know technical or all that sort of stuff you know yeah and you know i i try to learn (laughs) but yeah we're still figuring it out so what got you guys into harder stuff like you know let's say you're 15 years old in your bedroom you know what are you listening to god 15 years old I don't know. Probably Cheryl Crow. <laughs> Spice Girls over hey, here, man. That's a little bit too brutal for our show. Oh. <laughs> I don't know. I, think, I definitely jumped on, like, the the new metal train when it came through. Um, and then after that, you know, metalcore and hardcore, you know, I, I started exploring into that a lot there, too. So, you know, picked up on some, you know, pretty neat bands, you know. That's when, like, I guess Christian core really kind of, you know, was taken over there the early 2000s or whatnot. So, you know, you had a lot of... Uh, yeah, like Under Oath, yeah, Norma Jean, yeah, Asley Dying and stuff like that. Yeah, we were just talking about Asley Dying off mic <laughs> a little bit ago. Yeah, let's not go there. Yeah, no, no, I've I've gone there way too many times on these shows, and I'm just I'm honestly just sick every time I hear the band name, I get a little bit sick. Not even because they're doing anything wrong. Like their new songs have been bangers. You know, it's just you know I I don't know. Just hearing about it every single day, 24-7, hitting that news feed. So, you know, so you get into heavy music at a younger age. Like, is it one of those, like, played music since birth? Or was it some kind of inspiration based on what you were listening to? Oh, for me, like, heavy music music definitely was the inspiration to get me to start playing. Um, I started doing vocals and being self-taught when I was 14 years old. Um, and just kind of progressed and learned some techniques here and there, and yeah, yeah. yeah nobody in my family likes heavy music at all. Uh, <laughs> no, I took some. I took some music classes in school. I was in like a high school band and stuff like that. I, I played. I played the oboe. So I mean, learned all, everything I did about music through there, and then you know, I just I just picked up a guitar, you know, midway through high school, and you know, didn't ever want to look back. Uh, you say I've known you for like ten years and never knew that you played the oboe. <laughs> a lot of people don't know i play the oboe. hey learn something new every day i wanted to, i was waiting until this podcast came along so i could tell everybody about that it's one of my best kept secrets this is the big reveal so like for the full length that's coming you know eventually that's going to be a, a prominent instrument we're going to break out the oboe yeah exactly you know if ian, if ian anderson can bring a flute in the jethro tall i'm going to bring a fucking oboe back into heavy music absolutely i mean that's grammy yeah. material right there Hell yeah. Oh, very cool. So I, that's something that always intrigues me, and that's actually why I like talking to, to, to newer bands, because there's no such thing as a new band. You know, everybody, you guys have all played in bands, you know, <laughs> prior prior to this. Um, <laughs> a, anybody that anybody that's over the age of, like, 17 has already played in, like, three bands. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't think Jeremy has started, like, bands while we were in high school. Yeah, Cameron and I, we started, like, three or four different projects when we were in high school, just writing and stuff like that and then eventually he moved away i moved away and then uh kind of got right back at it later so in listening to your guys's uh to go forward you know like 15 years uh <laughs> <laughs> when you guys recorded your your ep would you consider an ep i mean seven tracks it's kind of on the line like it it plays long enough for me to think of it as an album um, um we always just called it an ep because yeah, it was under 30 minutes quite honestly we what at first, we were actually talking about doing a full length, like a full set of like 10 to 12 tracks. But then we got to thinking and we were like, eh, 
a lot of the a lot of the B sides that we have for this don't fit in with yeah uh, with this record. So definitely yeah. the material is just a little bit different, and it's also unfinished. Right. Yeah the uh, the question I was wondering is just like so you guys record. My understanding is you recorded this all pretty much on your own. Yeah, yeah. pretty much. Yeah. We only had mixing done by somebody else. That's it. Wow. So and that's in a partially soundproofed uh, studio space. It's actually not soundproof at all. Everything that we did was <laughs> direct in, so that's why you don't hear any echo off the wall. I got you. Well, yeah. Well, I saw that. I saw that video that you guys posted a while back. That you know you were. We're wearing the masks, which I'm going to ask about here in a minute. Um, but uh, you guys were wearing the masks and recording vocals, and I was like, "How does it? How does it sound that good? Uh, just straight in like that? I mean, I basically going straight into a MacBook Pro, you know? It's Not plugins. <laughs> yeah, they've, they've come up with so many damn plugins now; it's it's insane. <laughs> right. No, that's awesome. But uh, yeah, so the next question I have, and I have to. So, what, what's the deal with the masks? Um, I mean, it's, it's, it, uh, pretty much within the band name, you know, the wolves are closing in, um, decided for at least our first EP, um, that we just kind of wanted to put on a different persona to kind of introduce ourselves to kind of give that little bit of attention, like, Hey, we're here, you know? Um, so with the masks, you know, it just kind of helped with that. So it's not a it's not a uh, like whenever you really end up releasing like an actual physical product, it's not it's going to have your names printed in it. It's not going to be like a uh, this is a total this is a total secrecy. No, no, definitely not. Um, I mean, I mean, we're not wearing the mask for this. Yeah, you like, know, we're not, we're not trying to hide. It was just something cool to do. I'm still I mean, for shows and stuff like that, you know, when we get show ready and stuff, because right now we're not. Um, we just got done writing the CP. But I mean, you know, we figured, you know, we'll wear the mask a little bit here and there, but it's not something that's going to be like a permanent thing that we're going to be wearing all the time. Well, and they were prominently featured in your guys' music video for your song, The Snot End of My Tommy Gun. (laughs) (laughs) That was was his title. I like that. Yeah. Well, really, like the whole music video concept came from like Cameron just had this idea of an intro um, for the intro of the music video. And he told me about that. And so I was like, all right, all right. You know, we can can trans, we can translate that into a a full music video, I think. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and they were telling me a little bit before, before we went on, you know, about, you know, I was like, did you guys hire actors? And my understanding is you guys happen to have friends that were actors. Um. I mean, we bought we bought them food. <laughs> no, we, we, we had we had we had a whole production and everything like that. Uh, no, the the actors were out of our just our local uh, community theater college. Um, their their theater department uh, happened to get you know get to know some of them you know earlier in the year, and I was asked them if they were interested in you know performing in, you know in some film or some music videos, and you know it, it, everything just kind of came together, and you know. You know that that project the project went well pretty went pretty smoothly I'd say. They were I mean, like, wait, there's food there. <laughs> yeah. It was uh, it was pretty exhausting though. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I guess uh, I guess my question would be, you know, when you're when you're going through a list of people, and you're like, who can I pick that would play the perfect psychopath? I think <laughs> we lucked out really with that. That that guy, uh, his name is Micah. Yeah, no, he. And, you know, he was just an actor. He was an improv comedian, is what he was. You know, he, he hangs out with like this local improv troupe, and then he just joined in. Like, he's also like a, a really good singer, actually. Um, like a lot of 
does a lot of choir. Um, he's actually starting up his own little uh, acoustic project right now under the name Johnny Ponderosa. I'm going to throw him a little, a little, little nod there. Um, but yeah, <laughs> he he had the right look. He had the right look, you know. Uh, so we we brought him in, and we had no idea how you know I had no idea you know how how good he would be about it though. But you know, we just kind of let him go. You know, we just ran these scenes out. You know, there's scenes where he's sitting there brushing her hair and stuff like that. That was actually like a four minute like shot that we got there, and he was just improvising too. You know, he was like quoting like Bible verses to her, and she's sitting there screaming. <laughs> I didn't know when to cut. I was just like, this is great. He's he's so creepy. <laughs> I can't use all of this, but I'm just gonna use like a sliver of this. But this is great. <laughs> After the shoot, like Micah, did anybody ever tell you how creepy you are? <laughs> did you guys uh, sit down to write the script together, or was it something that just kind of came together on its own based on a concept? Uh-huh. Or Hunter both. Yeah, Cameron Hunter. came up with the intro. Like he started that whole intro scene before the song kicks in was all Cameron's idea. Um, then I kind of like tried to figure out where to take it for the end. Though I know you know Jared wanted a, a coffin, uh, a, a burial scene um, involved in the in the in the video, and so you know because he had access to one, and then you know so I kind of took all these these things that we had a you know accessibility to and try to you know create a uh, you know some sort of some you know some loose story to it. So yeah. So a death metal influenced band with access to a coffin. Funny story. Um, I, my stepsister, her brother uh, works at a funeral home and they accidentally put the, a wrong body in that coffin. Oh no. So by law, you're not allowed to use it again after that. So he left it at her house. And when I saw it, I instantly was just like, holy shit, I have to have this. And then I talked to him. Yeah, used coffin. That's uh, <laughs> I love that. that and I told like I told the story to Hunter and Cameron, and they're like, uh, is "Pretty much is that even a question?" Yeah, let's do it. So, <laughs> well, I had, we had well, to tell the actress, you know, yeah, it's a real coffin. I told her ahead of time, you know, just you know, so she you know wasn't going to get too freaked out about that. You know, I don't she, know. She uh, didn't find out till like right before she got in it that <laughs> there was already a body in it. I gave her more. Give her more of a heads up. Like that. <laughs> what I told her is, you know what, you know, and to be fair, we'll all get take a turn getting into the coffin before you get in. You know, just you know, if that makes it any better, so Chris. nothing will uh, bite you, you know, or you know, <laughs> we'll spray some some, some Febreze in there. <laughs> I think we yeah, did. Actually. Yeah, we did because it smelled like fucking death. Yeah. Like, it was <laughs> <laughs> that weird thing that smells more than death because it's like a mixture of. Of of you know corpse and formaldehyde, which is actually yeah. more, more disgusting. That's a weird smell, yeah. No, we took a photo shoot actually in the in the coffin. We had some pictures that we I don't think we yeah we did release those pictures. Yeah, yeah we, we released our pictures. promo pictures right before we yeah. dropped the music video. Yeah, all those pictures of us are in the coffin. Yeah. So when you do your first tour, like somebody has to come out of the coffin, right? Like on the sta- on the stage. <laughs> dude, dude, that's not that idea. Would be cool. If- we didn't go on tour yet. I'll, I'll take one percent of all proceeds for the idea. <laughs> That's what we try to do. That's what we try to do here on the podcast is just launch as many ideas as we can. But um, no, it was definitely uh, definitely a fun video. Uh, I mean, depending on what your definition of fun is, but uh, no, that was something that that kind of kind of struck me though when I was watching it, and I was just kind of like. 
I had trouble believing that it was an independent band, um, just because of of the production quality on the on the video, and uh, and especially on the recording. So, is that gonna kind of be your guys's way in the future, or like would you pretty much just jump at the opportunity to to go into a studio? Um, if it was paid for, I would go and you know like, um. But at the same time, like I kind of want to have my own studio and learn how to do this stuff myself, uh, just like as a hobby. Maybe I could do this for other bands too. So I definitely think doing it ourselves that gives us a, a I way. I think it definitely allows us you know, to get down to the ideas while they're fresh. What was that? I like having that. I like having the access to it. You know, but I'm always you know I, I always like to you know keep my options open and always like to explore you know, new, new methods and new ways of, of you know capturing music and stuff like that or you know or video or anything so i'm, I'm kind of sitting on the fence with that one gotcha now you'd mentioned earlier that you guys weren't quite show ready yet because you put so much time into the into the recording um it, did, have you guys played as the wolves are closing in before or is this just kind of like a we're going to come in and have all of our shit together before like debuting in a live setting? We're definitely going to get all of our shit together, make sure everything is fine-tuned, make sure that we have merch, make sure uh, we have everything set to go before we decide to uh, step on stage. So, Gotcha. Okay. Um, what are you guys thinking as far as, uh, as far as after this? Are you going to try to go like immediately out on the road, or is it going to be just kind of a try to establish something local? Because it's so much easier now to establish yourself online, you know. Um, a lot of the bands I've I've seen before that like never even played in their hometown, they just go right on tour. Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, I, I, yeah, pretty much that really. Y'all have like very separate lives, um, so it's kind of hard to like drop everything we're doing and and leave. So, like playing locally is good, and then having an online presence. Yeah, but never say never, you know. I mean, if, if the opportunity presents itself and we can all do it, no, we'll definitely, you know, if we definitely, I'd love to go on a different. Yeah. I mean, yeah, but it's uh, pretty much if that bridge is presented in front of us, you know, well, that's when we sit down and discuss it and just kind of go from there. But I definitely think that local for now would be in our best interest. And then we've also talked about even going from like, you know, to a state out of you know out of state just to play one show you know here and there just to kind of give us you know a little more of a exposure i suppose gotcha well um i noticed on your song taking a shit while spotting waldo which again is an amazing song title you guys had uh jacob wallace on uh to do a guest spot on that uh so tell me a little bit about how that came about um jacob wallace well i stumbled upon bro job last year at some point and first of all their lyrics are just outrageous incredible and, yeah, yeah they're, they're incredible. and when i heard jacob's voice i was just like oh my god this guy is a god i i i, I it just blew my mind but the thing that struck out uh, stuck out the most about these guys is they uh they're kind of these guys that just they're doing it to not be so serious. They want to have fun, you know? And for me personally, that's how I am. Um, I showed Cameron and I showed Hunter. And then when we uh, came up with Waldo, there was a, a section that we just couldn't figure out what to put in there. And I was thinking, well, what if we get a guest vocalist? 
So we had a couple guest vocalists in mind, and I thought, I was like, I wonder just maybe it'd be, you know, a long shot, but I wonder if Jacob Wallace would be down to do it. So I actually literally just messaged him on Facebook, and he messaged me right back, and we got to talking, and, you know, I mustered up the courage to ask him, and he was like, yeah, just send me what you guys got, and I'll listen to it, and uh, I'll get back to you. He listened to it, and he said that it shows great promise, and... He said that he'd be willing to do it, so it's pretty awesome. Dude, you could start a podcast. That's how we do it. <laughs> you know, like like a hundred percent. You reach out, you reach out to a thousand people. You hope ten of them respond back to you. You know, and uh, no, that's that's really cool because uh, that was that was one of the first things that I noticed. And you know, you guys popped up immediately on the digital streaming service uh, that I used when I was looking looking for new releases. And, uh, for, for being such a new band, um, you know, what, what was your, uh, what was your guys' reaction to launching onto like, cause I guess you guys are on, um, is it, it's on Apple music. I use uh Google play music. That's where I found it. And then, um, you know, Spotify and all that. Was that just like, you fill out an application, you get on all of them or, um, we went through a uh, distro kid and, um, just, you know, to explain real quick, just in case people that aren't familiar with DistroKid. I mean, it's pretty much a uh, distributing service. You know, you go on there, you pay $20 a year. Um, you put the tracks that you want to release out and pretty much pick the uh, platforms that you want to release it to. And pretty much they just release it. It's that easy. Very cool. I know a lot of, I, one of the biggest complaints I hear from, from newer bands is they'll release something and it'll uh it'll just kind of sit there and stagnate on the service and um that was what i found so interesting is i must have caught it like right whenever it launched <laughs> like because uh because normally you know it's so hard especially for like podcasts to, to throw that other side of it it's like how to get onto the new release schedule to where like you'd show up on the main page or, or something like that so i think that was uh that was a huge benefit to you guys to to be on that even if it was only for a couple of minutes or something in the new release um i think it probably got you guys out to a lot of people relatively quickly so for 20 bucks a year you can't beat that <laughs> so if you guys had one experience or one feeling that you would want a listener to get out of your ep what would it be not necessarily a message because not all music has to have a message to be good, you know, but just like what are, is this like a personal, you know, I, I noticed the lyrics are very personal. That's one thing that stood out to me. It's like funny track titles, but then like you get into the lyrics and it's like, Oh, okay. This is not a party environment. It's, it's a does not play well with others. This is a bad neighborhood environment. <laughs> You're going to probably be in a, a coffin that smells a little bit like Febreze. Uh, <laughs> um, there's definitely a lot of uh, anger that was uh, put into it. There was a lot of raw emotion. Um, I'd say there was there's a little bit of everything in there. Yeah. What do we What do we want listeners to feel? Um, I don't know. It's hard to say. Like since we put all that in there, maybe like relatable. Because um, I know I look for that a lot in in bands that I'm getting into and stuff. So yeah, I agree. I, I can Yeah, I can with both what they say it's a hard question to answer that's i just like watching people squirm whenever i ask it but uh they're like i don't know man i recorded it and put it out like what do you want pretty <laughs> <laughs> much would want people to listen to what we've 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 put out there and just be like you know those those guys right there they know what i'm going through 
I'm not the only one going through this kind of shit. Yeah. <clears throat> a lot of people, especially over here, like they have a hard time or don't like talking about like depression and anger and stuff like that. People are scared by it. And I was just like, why don't I just, why don't we just say it on the record? Why not? It's actually, you know, a great load that gets off your chest too when you do, you know, when you get to express yourself. So, right. It's like, why are these guys smiling after the show? I don't. <laughs> it seems so, <laughs> seems so angry off on stage. Um, it's therapeutic. That's what it is. <laughs> so, uh, obviously, we're gonna have links to all your socials and everything on the uh, on the show notes whenever the episode posts. But uh, where can people find uh, the wolves are closing in online? Um, we have. Yeah. Facebook, we have Instagram. Um, we did have a Twitter at one time, but uh, I think that kind of just went to shit because we uh, didn't keep up on it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I know the feeling. Yeah, I almost really like Twitter. Yeah, um, Twitter. We have a Snapchat. Yeah, we have a Snapchat. We just have an Instagram. In oh, very cool. I haven't heard that in a while. Snapchat. Um, yeah. Um, and then of course our email. Uh, the wolves are closing in. Band at gmail.com perfect that's the only one that I, I was like i don't have to do any research if he just tells me <laughs> <laughs> all right hey guys they're calling me back here so i gotta i gotta drop out of the call here so all righty well we're I'm, I'm about to finish uh, up anyway so you're good all righty it's good talking it to you good, it's good good chat with you yeah no absolutely thank yeah. you very much yeah i'll see you later you beautiful bearded mother flipper <laughs> i miss you i love you jerry bear Miss Bye. you. Love you too. If you ever call me that again, I'm gonna cut your genitalia off. He's, go- He's gone. He missed it. Oh man, I can't believe that worked. Um, okay. Right. All right. Now that he's gone, let's start the real interview back over again. No. <laughs> Can we keep this? Can this part not be edited out? Just you know. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Cool. Yeah. You hear that, John? Yeah. So. <laughs> Hunter, we love you. Yeah, no, it's cool. Um, yeah, so I'll just I'll just finish up real quick and with all the uh, socials and stuff. I'm trying to think if there was any other questions that I had. It's one of those things where I ask a lot of generic questions because it's like nobody knows anything about the band, like not a, like in an offensive sort of way, but you know what I mean. Like, um, so it's like you always kind of wonder when people are hearing a new band for the first time. People are so fickle, so the question is always like what can we say and what can we talk about in an interview that it will make people listen beyond the first 10 seconds of a song that they streamed? I mean, I know uh, each individual song itself, it uh, it's quite different than the next, I guess. And uh, lyrically, um, like we said before, there's a lot of raw emotion. Each individual song touches, or I guess sheds light rather on certain situations that have happened to either us or somebody else trying to let me pull up the exact unless you guys know it off the top of your head the exact release date of the ep was of course it um, just says 2019 on my on my app here april 15th i believe is was we released a like kind of like an early release april 13th to a couple platforms just because it happened that way but we didn't really tell anybody about it until about april 15th gotcha okay so all right the Wolves are closing in's debut EP, which is titled Eulogy for Desecrated Souls, was released on April 15th of this year. They're a band that you definitely want to jump on. Definitely had a great chat with these guys, and I appreciate you guys taking your time out to chat with me tonight. Thank you. It was an honor. Anytime. Uh, are you wearing a Venom shirt that's actually a Beyonce shirt? Yes. Okay. 
Sorry, it's bothering me. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, and that was my interview with the members of the Wolves are closing in. What do you think, John, about all the coffin talk? <laughs> I apparently uh, they need a Febreze and a coffin sponsorship uh, to get some of the smell of death out of the uh, <laughs> out of those things. I will say, as I was telling you uh, off microphone, I misheard it initially when I was kind of editing this episode, and I totally thought he was saying like, "So fun story, like my uh, friend's sister, or my sister's friend died." And then I was like, what the fuck? That's not funny. Like, that you <laughs> you used, like, a used coffin? And right. then, I, then I was like, oh, wait, never mind. I misheard, like, their friend's friend or whatever works uh, at a funeral parlor. So I was like, okay, like, that makes that's that is a little bit more like, oh, that's funny. Well, what's a used coffin? I mean, like. Don't you just use it? You just use it once, right? Yeah, it's a one-time use. There's no return, no refund yeah. policy. But that was the thing, and that's what kind of caught me off guard. Is I was like, "What the fuck? Someone reused a coffin?" It's <laughs> <laughs> the most brutal thing I've ever heard. <laughs> I want to. I want to open a used coffin store as a joke. Like that sounds like it'd be good on Impractical Jokers or something. It reminds me of uh, that Tom Green skit where he would follow pizza delivery people and then would show up with a blank pizza and then would open a tackle box with all the toppings. <laughs> right. Right. Just, I don't know. <laughs> oh, it's too funny. But no, we had a good time. Uh, I thought it was really funny that they were in a band uh, before this called Lethal Lava Land. Yeah. Which is uh, Super Mario Brothers, or like it's um, it's from Super Mario sixty four. It's the uh, it's the the only lava level I think in that in that game. But uh, I just thought that that was really funny because I was like, so like, was this a band that was playing like deathcore, but like everything was about Mario Brothers? Because that almost like I, I kind of latched onto that because I was like, this almost seems like like let's dig into that a little deeper. <laughs> well, <laughs> but, it kind of uh, reminded me of that scene, like the the quote unquote Nintendo core of like you know Sky eats airplanes and stuff like that, like that used yeah, a lot of like the band, yeah, yeah, like used a lot of like eight bit sounds and so forth. So I mean, it was funny. The other thing I thought of when they said that band name is I was thinking of the movie Lava Lanchulas. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which goes to show how terrible uh, my B horror, or probably even like F or Z level horror movies uh, go sometimes. Hey man, if it's not Z level, I don't care. Those. Uh, what's interesting too is like speaking on the horror movies is like that I really latched onto their video because I thought it was one of the better like like I miss music videos that have storylines. Right. And so I th- thought that was really cool to see an independent band put out a video like that. Whereas, you know, bands that are on, like, major labels, like, their videos are usually, like, clips of them playing live on their most recent tour. And it's like, yeah, it's cool, like, but, you know, if, if I already saw that band on tour, like, in the video, like, I don't know. I like music that tells stories, and I, I, I think that's sadly something that is kind of missing from a lot of uh, music promotion nowadays. Is just the idea of music as the art form, more so than music as the... You just got to sell it. We just got to figure out ways to make money off of it. Just whatever we can do, whatever we can do, you know. So, like, we want to cut together tour videos to encourage people to go see the band on tour, you know. Like, I don't know. Uh, I just thought I thought this video was kind of was kind of refreshing, and you know, because I'm into horror movies like that, um, just just seeing you know a, a video about a psychopath, and then like the band members are in it, but they're like just wearing, they're basically just wearing wolf masks. It's it's very interesting. Makes me wonder. You know, they kind of had made the comment about how they're not necessarily going to be wearing the masks at all times and so forth and potentially not when they're performing. So it does kind of make me wonder, you know, you, you come out the gate with like your first video and the first visual representation people are going to have of your band is with a mask. Are people going to kind of be like, yo, this is sick? 
or does it kind of start like because it's kind of weird like you know we just had patrick from ice nine kills and you know like they do a lot of the various horror tropes of you know dressing up as various characters the videos especially on this last record are all from you know themed around specific movies uh and so the videos correlate to that so it kind of makes me wonder like you know does it go into the fun campy vibe of like what you know ice nine kills has done or is it trying to be more you know and you kind of touched on this but didn't necessarily mention these guys but like is it going to be more of like a slipknot or even like a mushroom head where it's like you're not going to know who these people really are they're going to use stage names or whatever so you don't know the real names initially to kind of more focus it on the art of the music and this concept maybe or the themes of what they're expressing in their music and if so will fans be ready for that or are they going to be like oh another mass band okay well, you know, I think that uh, he cleared that up pretty well in the interview that, like, we're we're going to do it sometimes, like, maybe as, like, a visual thing. But, like, you know, we, we've seen the tail end of that. Like, when we talked uh, when we talked to, to um, Skinny from Mushroomhead and him talking about, like, you know, the just how elaborate the costumes are. And that's what that's what fans expect. And then they feel like they always have to change up the costumes. Like, cause I, so I feel like if they dedicate to the wolf mask thing totally, then they're always going to be trapped in that, like always having to find ways to reinvent that and make it interesting. Like Slipknot, you know, they, they change their masks a lot. Mushroom head changes their masks a lot. Um, so it's one of those things where it's like, do we really want to, do we really want to spend all of our time and effort with this? Or I, so I feel like they're, I feel like they just kind of throw that on. It's like kind of look just a garnish. You know, but not really the main attraction, because because uh, I remember asking like, you know, if you have physical media, are you gonna have your names printed? And he's like, oh yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. But it, it's still one of those like the, it's so like the band hasn't played, so it's like maybe when they play, they kind of realize after getting a couple of shows under their belt, like oh, I think it'd be kind of cooler if we, you know, again going back to Ice Nine Kills because I just saw them. You know, Patrick comes out in this huge fucking rat mask thing, um, or pig mask or whatever, and plays the initial part of the set probably like two or three songs and then when the there's a break in the set he pulls off that mask and then there's like another layer of makeup and you know like a carved nine into his forehead and all that kind of stuff and so it's one of those where it's like i could even see maybe trying to do something like that where it's like we start off you know the show and we're you know in these masks and then you know something i don't know it it, there's a lot of avenues that go with it and it just kind of you know I guess that was kind of like what I was alluding to earlier where it's like, oh, it would be kind of interesting to see how much playing live is going to change stuff for them. Um, because at this point they haven't, they haven't played out live. They haven't toured yet. So I think there's a lot of the aspects of being abandoned, the things that you realize do or don't work for you or what you want to accomplish in the, the vision of your band, I think will kind of fall into place once more. They get some more uh, stage time under their belt. Yeah, and that was definitely, you know, my entire angle for doing the interview and, and reaching out to him is it's one of those things where I feel like I feel like this band can do it. And so I kind of want to be in on the ground floor for it and just kind of see 
where, where they go with their career, what they end up working with. You know, it's funny if we do this interview, you know, so early on and then they end up becoming like one of the bigger masked bands <laughs> out there or, or whatever. And I'm like, Oh, it's funny. They, they hadn't fully committed to that whenever I talked to them, you know, <laughs> back in 19 or whatever, you know? <laughs> yeah. So it'll be interesting to, you know, you had kind of said on the, the Patrick from Ice Nine Kills thing where we had kind of said like, you know, this feels like it's the, the epicenter of something happening and, where in the next you know five years or so is this going to take this band with all the momentum that they're building up i think you know very much the same thing with these guys i'm interested to see if this is the beginning of something in in a couple years we're going to see like wow these guys really like kind of came out of nowhere took the you know heavy metal music took the heavy metal music scene by storm and kind of you know were at the epicenter of it like Earthgrowns. Like I was one of the first interviews that Jeremy from Earthgrowns did. Now you see them touring constantly with bands like O Sleeper and Obey the Brave and a lot of these other bands. So it's like it's interesting to me to see how big that that band has gotten over the last couple of years since doing the podcast when they were a relatively unknown band at the time. Yeah, agreed. And that's that that's definitely was part of my whole angle. And that's something that you know. Um, John and I don't really have defined roles on the show. I mean, we kind of do in that, like John does everything and I just freeload, uh, <laughs> which is, which is the way I like it most of the time. Uh, but you know, one of, one of the biggest things is that, you know, for me, I've always been kind of the bigger underground music fan. Whereas John has always not like, not that John sits there and listens to pop music. Actually, I'm kidding. He totally does all the time. I do. Um, but you know, getting out there and being able to meet up with bands on tour and, and do things like that. Whereas my interview potential is somewhat more limited. Um, that's why I just try to kind of reach out to bands that maybe people haven't heard of or bands that I personally like that, uh, you know, that, that I feel like maybe need a little bit more exposure than what they're getting. So, uh, you know, every now and again, we'll throw an interview out like that with, with a band that, you know, you should definitely check out. Um, and hopefully enough people stick around, uh, to actually do that. And we end up having them back on the show. It's like, Hey man, how have things changed in the past year? You know? Right. Speaking of uh, all the exposure and stuff like that, where can uh, people find the band? Well, you can find them on Facebook, uh, under facebook.com slash the wolves are closing in. And uh, you can email them at the wolves are closing in band at gmail.com. They do not use Twitter, as we had discussed in the interview. <laughs> um, you can also follow them on Instagram at the wolves are closing in official. And if you would like to follow Metal Nexus, you can find them at metalnexus.net, Facebook at Metal Nexus, Instagram at metal.nexus, and Twitter at metal underscore nexus. And Dan, where can people find you? You can find me pretty much anywhere. You can find me on Facebook under Daniel Terry. You can find me on Twitter at Discuss Metal Dan. Uh, you can find my other podcast, Discography Discussion, at DiscussMetal.com. And you can email me at show at gmail.com. And if you would like to keep up with all things this podcast, you can find us everywhere at Pod. Email us at BrutallySpeaking at gmail.com. And for the Brutally Speaking Podcast, I am John. And I am Dan. We will talk to you all next time.